Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever, whenever you are. My name is Adam. Welcome to this pre-sales workshop. RFP. RFP me, ASAP. That's what we're talking about today. Um, a little bit of humor, and I think I'm getting the hang of this too. I got a, got a good mic position. I'm going to tell a couple of jokes today. That was one of them. Here's the next one. I've never met a 250 question RFP I didn't like. Said no one ever in pre-sales. I'm the funniest person here. Um, look, all joking aside, I was thinking about RFPs lately and I, I thought it, I, I wanted to, to talk about this a little bit because we're responding to RFPs. They're just a part of our process. Always have been, always will be. But they take time. They take resources. And if you're anything like me, pre-sales is usually going to be in the driver's seat in some way to help manage this process. So that takes time away from other things that have a higher probability of closing. That takes time away from other opportunities. And it, I'm going to put all the chips on the table here. It does feel like a zero-sum game sometimes, doesn't it? It really does. But it doesn't have to. And that's, I wanted to talk about that because I think, I think there's a way we can think about this using an evaluation framework specifically for RFPs help qualify the level of effort, quantify the level of effort. It helps drive collaboration. Um, it can function as a, even as a baseline to get, get a repeatable, measurable process started. It's always focused on building value. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Talk about an evaluation framework for RFPs, what the goals are. We'll talk about an example of the framework. I'm not going to live demo here. Watch the video. But there, there is a tool that we built. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. You can download and customize it. Let's dive in. RFPs. Yeah, RFPs, RFQs, RFIs. Um, I, I'm, I know I'll get called out on this at some point, but let's just let's lump them all in into the same bucket because it is a it is a formal request for a formal response and a formal request from a prospective customer asking you a vendor for a formal response is uh, it can take a lot of different forms so i'll use the term rfp generically so what is what is this evaluation framework now uh, an evaluation framework is really, it, it's a structure for evaluating how or if to respond to RFPs. Yes, there, I said it, if. <laughs> and, and all of pre-sales everywhere rejoices. You mean we don't have to respond to the RFP? Yes, it. I did say that it is a, a structure for evaluating how or if to respond. Now, like any framework, it's going to serve as a guide. It's going to serve as a blueprint. But there are some really interesting nuances that I think make up this framework for RFP evaluation a little bit more unique in terms of how it's structured, what the goals are, and the process that those involved will work through. <clears throat> 
let's break this down just a little bit. Let's talk about the goals. What should or could the goals of this evaluation framework be? What are we trying to achieve here? Yes. So first and foremost, as a, as a colleague of mine said, the highest and best use. First and foremost, like any deal, I mean, if, if we're responding to an RFP, we are responding to win. To ensure we're positioning in the highest and best way, our products, our services to meet the needs of the customer. We're trying to win the deal. So of course, we we want to be able to focus on if we're choosing to respond, hey, let's win this deal. But I think there's other outcomes that we can also weave into that process. Now, I'm going to come from a position that is, uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's a position that is, has been influenced by a particular industry. I've worked in technology for the vast majority of my career. So my experience here is pretty well biased to what I've experienced in technology. Now, there are some industries that live and die by the RFP. And, and that's just the way and the nature of their business. That's the way that they, uh, that they respond. I think about government, government organizations, um, probably regulated businesses, regulated organizations, potentially even public, public companies. So I think though that <clears throat> that there there are there could be pieces of this everywhere. So if you happen to be in any of those organizations, I would love to hear from you about the way that you evaluate RFPs. If if you're looking at RFPs on a day-by-day basis, because that is the way that your customers find you, that you find your customers, and that you engage with your customers. I would love to hear about how you evaluate your RFPs. I think that could make for a really interesting episode. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to position this coming from more of a technology sales experience. There are there are a few outcomes that I I have experienced in using this type of a of a of an evaluation framework. <clears throat> I think we start first by democratizing what can be a siloed process. Now I say can be because sometimes it's not. Um, A siloed process for RFP response can be, and we maybe we've experienced this all in in some way, shape, or form. I know I experienced this in uh, early on in my career. Um, Means that. You know, a very one or two people make a decision to, 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 to we're going to respond to this. So by using an evaluation framework, and we'll talk a little bit about what that framework looks like, but using this framework helps to get other cross-functional partners involved before the RFP shows up. Because <laughs> that's, that's oftentimes when people do get involved. Get some skin in the game, right? It really helps to promote transparency, helps promote collaboration. There's some other outcomes too. I have 
I have seen these function as a forcing function. That was a bit of an unintentional alliteration there. But they, they do act as a forcing function. And the forcing function can help reveal opportunities as an organization to improve. For example, um, you may now, having democratized the process, having other cross-functional partners involved, now you might realize, and other people are there at the table with you, that, man, we're getting a lot of these RFPs. Man, they're taking a lot of time. Man, it'd be awesome if we had some dedicated resources. Forcing functions to really bring up, talk about product gaps. No better way to talk about product gaps than with the cross-functional team who's supposed to be preparing a response to a prospective customer about how you're going to overcome their problems with a gap in a product that doesn't exist. Repositioning exercises, redevelopment of creative assets, sales assets, marketing assets, all of these are part of that broader concept of a forcing function that I've seen act as an outcome of having some of these evaluation frameworks in place. Lastly, there's a feedback loop and enablement mechanism that's also part of this process. Now, from an enablement standpoint, RFPs can, can actually be a really great way to train people. <laughs> they really can, because it forces somebody to really research and understand the question and then go find all the answers to the questions. And man, there can be a lot of questions. So it can be a really great way to, to enable new team members on the products and services that, um, that you have. The feedback loop is very, very unique. And I wrote an article about feedback loops and sales, win-loss. I wrote this article quite, quite some time ago. And my position was, look, win-loss has to be part of your sales process. Win-loss can't be can't be an external part of the sales process because it's that important. You have to, you have to build that into the process. You know, stage, stage six, closed one, stage seven, win-loss analysis. Well, I think there's, I think there's an outcome here too in an RFP evaluation framework that needs to contain some feedback mechanism, some post-mortem mechanism to understand, well, if we won, why? What worked, what didn't? Hey, if we didn't get the contract, if we didn't get down selected, uh, why? What happened? What was the process like? Is it does it need to be changed? So those are some of the goals, right? These are some of the outcomes. Other than obviously trying to win the business, these are some of the outcomes uh, that that I've seen to be very effective in in these types of frameworks. Now, framework itself really is is up to you to decide how you want to structure it. It's a, it's a set of rules, it's a set of kind of values, you know, to help to help work through something. I believe a simple response evaluation framework should just have three parts. That's it. Three parts. The first part the framework should have some sort of cross-functional execution team. And 
This is the team who needs to evaluate, they agree to evaluate and produce a response. Now it's, it's up to you to determine who you want on that team. I've been in software. So in my experience, it's usually been sales, pre-sales, product marketing, customer success, maybe some technology teams, but this team can and should change with the industry, with the size of the company, with the maturity of the organization. All of those things can be flexible and malleable, but it, it needs to consist of this cross-functional execution team. Next, there needs to be an evaluation methodology, some type of rubric. Yeah, I'm talking scoring. I'm talking, I'm talking, I am talking decision tooling. And sometimes this can be qualitative, not just quantitative. Oftentimes it's most effective to have both. I'm talking about some kind of rubric, a measuring stick that allows you to objectively, objectively is the key word here, evaluate risk and reward across not just in sales, but across this functional execution team. Lastly, cross-functional post-mortem team. I was talking about before, let's evaluate and, and, and understand what the outcome is, ask about the why, adjust the process. Usually this can be the same group of people, but it doesn't have to be. If you wanted to bring a fresh set of eyes in there, maybe get some distance, that's never a bad thing. But it's up to you. I think, though, those three parts, those three parts in terms of an evaluation framework, absolutely need to be there. And it's a very, very simple framework. Now, in the, in the video episode, we jumped in, took a look at... Um, at one of the one of the rubrics and one of the rubric options and and you know what you this is where it gets really fun this is where it can get really really fun you also run the risk of you know being like Alice and going down a rabbit hole but this is really a great exercise because it affords you the ability to really understand what ultimately is going to help drive value for the other cross-functional partners and collectively then what will drive value for the business. I want to tell, I want to talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> one of the first evaluation tools that I had developed and, and the evaluation tool itself was, I think it was an Excel spreadsheet. It was really you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a giant, you know, multi-pivot table spreadsheet. Really, it was just a spreadsheet that, that gave me an opportunity to evaluate and quantify, hey, if, if I'm looking at this thing objectively, based not just on what it's asking us to do, but man, there's other important things here. There's other important things that I want to consider as I'm trying to evaluate if and then how I'm going to respond. 
And this was, um, it was a, a rubric that ex, it, it covered a, a couple of different areas. It's in areas of about um, revenue, obviously. How much money is it worth? <laughs> is this a, is this, you know, is this a $10,000 project or is this a $10 million project? It was neither of those, by the way, but um, relationship. At the time we called it relationship, but now we talk about, you know, executive sponsorship. We talked a little bit about urgency in terms of timing and deadline. But there was also urgency around the sense of ICP and risk. You know, from a risk perspective, are we looking at, uh, do we have referenceable business? Is this an ICP customer? Of course, there was an estimate effort, an effort estimate, excuse me, for the difficulty of our scope of response. Like how many questions are there? Like, are we talking 500 questions? Um, there was also the functional requirements. Can we actually do the things that they want us to do? Now, what, what I thought, what we tried to do in this process was really be objective. We tried to be objective and say, we want to be considerate of, of sales. You know, where are we in the quarter? Are we ahead? Are we behind? Want to be considerate of the seller who's running the deal? Where are they in their in their pipeline? Do they need more pipe? Are they okay? Is this going to make or break their number for their quarter? <clears throat> but we also wanted to understand what's the cross-functional level of effort here? And based on our assessment of this RFP, what are we going to have to ask other people in the company and the organization to do? We also have to be extremely cognizant and careful of can we actually deliver the functional requirements? Can we do what they're asking us to do? And I think on that question, I don't know that I've ever found a unanimous vote in that conversation. Because you've got, you know, if you're sitting at the table with four or five other cross-functional partners evaluating requirements, you're going to have four or five different perspectives, four or five different opinions, four or five different views and interpretations on what exactly they're asking you to do. Sometimes it's easy to come to a... Uh, it's easy to come to a resolution. It's easy to come to agreement on that. Hey, look, can you run an A-B test? Yeah, I think we can do that. It's pretty standard fare. But there are some, and they tend to be some of the more nuanced uh, elements of these big RFPs that, that are really up to interpretation. So it's important to have these as part of this, as part of this process. Now you can make these types of rubrics as simple or as complex as you want. And, and, and the way that, that I have done it is really to align to the maturity of the organization. If you're a one person shop, if you're early stage, if you're angel stage, uh, if you're series a, you may just not have the luxury or the need 
depending on industry, market, go-to-market motions, you may not have the luxury, you may not have the need to have a very complex evaluation process. It may be something as simple as, well, uh, I don't have capacity. Or I do have capacity. If you are in a different place with your organization, you may benefit from having a more complex method of objective evaluation. You may have been burned. You may have found success. Either way, this type of an evaluation framework, this type of tooling and process is absolutely instrumental in continuing to refine and doing more of what's working well and less of what isn't. And that's really at the heart of what this evaluation process is ultimately focused on. RFPs aren't going to stop. They're going to continue to come. We're going to have to respond. We're going to have to decide if we want to respond. So let's wrap a process around this and figure out how to make this thing a little bit more scalable so that at every moment, we're constantly refining and adding value. And that's it for the session today. Check out that example of the response rubric posted in the show notes, comments below. Like, subscribe, smash those buttons. Thank you so much for spending some time with me in this episode. We will see you again next time right here in the workshop. <laughs>